Hey, what's up? It's Bobby Portis. I'm Saquon Barkley. I'm Brianna Stewart. This is Showtime Sean Porter. I'm Sugar Ray Lemon. I'm Corey Brewer. I'm Sinisa Estrada, and we run this station. We run this station. We run this station. Did you know that the Ocean State is home to one of the nation's top high school bowling stars? Mason bowls for the Providence Senate Juniors team and is one of the top female youth bowlers in the country. She's going to take her talents to college next year on athletic scholarship. Well, up now for Nebraska, Jasmine Mason, the junior. When you ask professional bowler Jasmine Mason what her average is, she responds with one word, strikes. At five foot three, what she lacks in physical stature, she more than makes up for in confidence, charisma, and all-world talent. The Rhode Island native who goes by Gigi sat down with uninterrupted podcast producer John Fontanelli to discuss her historic amateur career, what life is like off the lanes, and how breaking barriers for women of color is just the beginning. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is Unguarded. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. So excited. <laughs> I can feel your excitement. I can feel your Seriously, energy. Seriously, I'm so excited to be here, man. This is a, a blessing. Have definitely. You ever, have you ever been to Los Angeles before? I have for Coachella, but like, other than that, no. So yeah. <laughs> cool. Very cool. And Jasmine, Gigi, what do you usually go by? Honestly, either or. Um, uh-huh. You know, I introduce myself as Jasmine Mason and I'd be like, no, I go by Gigi. It's easier for people to remember. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Gigi. And so, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I love the name. Thank Gigi. you. It's a cool nickname. Thank you. I call my grandmother Gigi. Really? It's like a family, okay. like a family thing. So it's close to my heart. There you go. Yep. And your friends call you Gigi? Yes, they do. That's cool. And what's Gigi stand for? Gigi stands for Got Game, which is the name of a company that I started. Cool. So tell me about that. Let's start there. Okay. So I started my company, Got Game, in 2017. Um, and the mission really at Got Game is to elevate the sport of bowling. So I'm a professional bowler um, so that we have the equal opportunity as the traditional sports, the, you know, basketball, football, NBA, you know, NFL, um, maybe even tennis. And, you know, we're just being a non-traditional sport. It's really hard to have a platform like they do. And I understand because, you know, we're not in the public eye. So that's just where my company comes in. You know, we just have like merchandise t-shirts, wristbands, um, products like that, just to, to help elevate the sport. And I also, their services also, um, what I do is inspirational speaking. I was able to go um, and speak to the I Promise School and share my story with them. So that cool. was cool. So for the audience who doesn't know, tell us about the I Promise School quickly. So the I Promise School is a, a school that LeBron James, you know, help, I, I don't know if it's like create, build, mm-hmm. or, yep. but that school is amazing. I honestly think the world, um, we need more schools like it. Just the way, you know, the the teachers are, the principals, the kids. Like, you know, as soon as I stepped in, I just felt loved and welcomed and um, from everyone, the, the kids, the, the, the faculty, staff. Um, it was just a, a definitely a great environment and a great place to be. So, I mean, what they're doing at the I Promise School, if other schools can you know, try to create a culture like they do, I feel like this world would be so much better. Yes, I agree. <laughs> That's a goal of mine is to check out the I Promise yeah, School in person really cool. one of these days. Yeah, it's really So nice. let's start back at the beginning. You're from Providence, Rhode Island, yes. right? Yes. Uh, tell me about growing up in Providence. Growing up in Providence, I, I don't, I won't say it was, you know, I had too, too difficult of a childhood. I was definitely blessed with the parents that I have. Um, So when I was younger, you know, just like any other kid, I would say, trying to find my niche, you know, um, basketball or ballet, tap jazz, doing the different, 
trying to find, you know, uh, the different activities that may be something that I would really like. And it wasn't until the age of 10 where I um, was introduced to the sport of bowling. Introduced how? Um, by my dad's friend. So, like, they played basketball, him and his little bros on the weekend. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was just like, not my coach at the time, but he was just like, you know, um, Jasmine, because he actually gave me my, my nickname, Gigi. So at the time, I was just Jasmine. And he was just like, you know, she should um, come to my league and see if she likes it. And he, the name of the league is Providence Senate. And he started it with his um, girlfriend at the time, Coach Monica Scott and Coach Marty Jones are their names. And it was to get the inner city kids off the, the streets. Um, and so I, I started and I never stopped. And so what was that journey like of becoming like a, a competitive bowler? Yeah, so in the beginning, you know, I was just like, and he was also too, like you can get college scholarships for bowling. You know, at the time, my dad and I were just like, what? Like you can get college scholarships. You know, we didn't know, which a lot of people now I'm finding out when they talk to me, they have no idea either. Um, so in the very beginning, I was trash. I was so, so <laughs> terrible. I was so bad. I averaged a 42 when I first started. Oh, um, that's low. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> and so, you know, just... Just getting into it, I, I didn't really stop, you know, going week after week, just seeing if it's something that I really wanted to. And then I started um, bowling tournaments here and there. And I don't know exactly what year it was. It might have been 2012. It, there was this tournament. It was the end of the year tournament, and I received a trophy. And the name of the trophy was, this is like where things changed. It was a motivator for me. I received a trophy called Last Place Champ. Oh. So right there in itself, last place and champ, they don't really go together. <laughs> so my dad for sure roasted me, and he still does to this day. <laughs> my coach roasted me. The whole Providence Senate League, they all roasted me. They're like, oh, like how, do you, how are you a champ and you came in last place? Wow. And I'm just like, I don't even know. But, I mean, <laughs> I got a pair of bowling shoes out of it. So it was a new pair of bowling shoes and, you know, last place champ trophy. But... Ever since then, I was just like, yeah, you know, if I really want to be able to go to school um, and not have to pay and get a, a, a education, I was like, I need to be better than a last place champ. So, um, <laughs> How that, old were you at, when this happened? I was 12. And then I would say after that, you know, I just started working harder. And I think Coach Marty Jones and my dad could see that. And I would say it wasn't until my sophomore year in high school, because I also played basketball too. Mm. My sophomore year in high school is when I decided like, hey, dad, um, you know, I, I think I put more time into bowling. I've been doing it longer that I think I should um, just stick to bowling. And so my sophomore year, he was like, okay, well, you're not going to quit during the season because once you start something and commit to it, you finish. Mm -hmm. So I waited till the season was over and, you know, till the coaches and team that I won't be back. And he thought that was one of the smartest decisions I ever made. And I was like, okay. So that's when I really was taking it more seriously and, and mm -hmm. working really hard because I was like, you know, two years, I'm going to college. So I need to have a college scholarship by then. And so how much of your interest in bowling was because you actually loved it and how much of it was because you saw it as a means to an end to get what you wanted out of life? I honestly think it was 100% because I loved it, good. to be honest. Um, you know, I, I never really thought of it too, too much as a means to an end. I mean, obviously I did a little bit, you know, because just college is expensive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my parents and I don't have the funds to just, you know, go and, and pay for college like that. But I think because I truly enjoyed it, that it kind of paid for itself in a way mm -hmm. um you know I wasn't really thinking about the money aspect I was just thinking like how can I be the best bowler I can be um leading up to college and then you know that all that will my hard work will take care of itself and then during college was a different story so, so did you have a high school bowling team no in Rhode Island there are there are um states that actually do have high school bowling but mm -hmm. Rhode Island wasn't one of them so what I had to do was just like 
partake in different, well, not different leagues, but the Providence Senate League and then um, participate in different tournaments. So being able to travel around the country to go to these different tournaments really helped me gain the exposure. Because like I said, you know, we're not on, on TV, you know, we don't have like AAU, like basketball and stuff like that, do. And I know those sports, like basketball gets a lot of exposure. So I kind of had to navigate and find a different way, you know, with the sport that I'm in. Right. And so how did you gain the attention of colleges? Yeah. So um, my coach, he actually he made CDs and just sent them out to the colleges that had um, bowling. Um, and also, too, there's this tournament called Junior Gold and it's a, a national tournament. So that's where like from all over everywhere, um, all the kids are there and all the uh, college coaches are there as well. I traveled to Junior Gold and I was just doing that. And it's a that tournament is a chance to make Junior Team USA. So I was doing that since I really don't know when I started, but that's where I really got the exposure and all the coaches, you know, sending letters. And then when they actually, you know, NCAA rules, when they were able to call, you know, we were getting calls and letters and I was just like, oh, snap, this is real. (laughs) (laughs) And so what was that process like of getting a scholarship or, you know, or becoming a college bowler? Yeah. So, um, there were a lot of schools that were interested in me, but, you know, for NCAA, you have five official visits. So mm-hmm. the official visits that I took were um, Norfolk State University, University of Maryland Eastern Shore, Valparaiso University, um, Vanderbilt, and then University of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And actually, University of Nebraska happened to be my last visit. Um, and at that time, you know, I was just tired of, like, missing classes and making up homework and tests and and at that time, I was like, Dad, I don't even want to go to Nebraska. Like, can we not go to the last visit? And he was like, oh, no, you made a commitment to yourself, you know, to your mom and I and to the coach, the bowling coach. So he was just like, you know, we honor our commitments. And I'm like, you're right. I don't even know I thought of not going or showing up. So we went um, and flew into Omaha. So Omaha is about 45 minutes from Lincoln. The school's in Lincoln. And on the way there, it was nothing but cornfields. So I'm like, I am not going to this school. Like, there's just <laughs> cornfields. Like, what am I going to do here? And right. then when we actually got to Lincoln, the school, it kind of helps make up the city. And it reminded me of a smaller version of Providence. Um, and we went to the stadium, which is where, you know, like the football stadium. And that's where the athletic department is. And it sold itself. And I was like, before I even got to the bowling side, I was like, I'm coming to the school. Wow. And I ended up going there. So, <laughs> yeah. And so, what was that experience like of being a Nebraska student? I honestly, being a, a student athlete at Nebraska is an honor. Um, just being, you know, when I go to these or when I used to go to the different tournaments um, and we just, you know, other schools, we kind of not really compare, but we just would have conversations and they're just like, you guys get this, you guys get this. You know, we don't get this at our school. I was like, wow, you know, because we're a part of it and we're doing it every single day, it's kind of easy to take what we have for granted. So, I'm just like, Wow, you know, being a student athlete at Nebraska is, is definitely, it was very humbling. Um, and the resources that we have there, I think, are just out of this world. It, the resources we have are crazy. Um, and so they definitely helped help me prepare, you know, for the outside world and, and just be a better person. They really have um, a lot of people there in the athletic program, even outside athletics, who just want to see you excel. Was there a culture shock moving to Nebraska? Not really. Well, when I first got there, actually, I, on my visit, I was like, you know, my dad asked coach, he was just like, did you pay people to be this nice to us on our visit? <laughs> so people in Nebraska are nice, you know, compared to, you know, the east and northeast, you know, yep. like Rhode Island or New York. It's kind of like, you know, a little faster paced. People could be a little meaner, but everyone's just trying to get to where they're trying to get to. 
Um, but, you know, Lincoln is just a little bit more laid back and slower. And I'm just like, wow, people are just nicer here. Wow. So it's the opposite of culture shock. You yeah, exactly. Kind of felt yeah. welcomed and at home. Exactly. That's cool. That's very cool. And is there a big black population at Nebraska? Bigger than I expected, mm. to be honest. So I, at first I was just like, you know, like, am I going to be the only black person here? Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of people outside athletics um, as well. Just, you know, the regular students who, you know, there's there's more of a black population than I expected. So I honestly think, I mean, I felt I felt uh, comfortable, I would say. More comfortable than I thought. And I believe I read that you didn't have a full ride when you first got to Nebraska. Is yes. that right? So walk me through that. So my freshman year, God, my freshman year, um, that was, I. it was terrible for me. More so, not because I was away from home, but it was just the bowling aspect. You know, I've I've bowled a certain way and then, you know, trying to, I don't know if any other athletes can relate, but, you know, you have a college coach there yeah. and they're trying to, I, would, I don't know if it's change your game, but just trying to make your game better. But there's that adversity part that's just like, this is what I've been doing. I don't want to do what you do, you know, type of thing. Yeah. So I honestly cried every day and my dad has a log of every single day I cried and the, the time the conversation started till the time the conversation ended. And this is like three in the morning, two in the morning, like 8 p.m., six in the morning. And, um, you know, my dad actually wakes up at 3.30 every day to go to work. And so I'm like, I know you have to go to work and I'm sorry, but I need to talk to you. And, and my freshman year is very stressful just because of that adversity part for the bowling aspect. Um, so my first year, I didn't get a full ride. I honestly don't know what percentage. I can't remember that I got, but I worked my way to a full ride. So after my freshman year, I kind of knew what to expect. So my soft going into my sophomore year, um, also too, I didn't. Well, my freshman year, I barely bowled. Uh, try to equate it to to um, like the NBA because I don't really know how many games are in like the like college basketball, but I know NBA has like 82 games. Yep. So if you equate it to that, I probably my freshman year bowled like 20 minutes out of 82 games. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so walk me through that schedule. So there's how many matches and so how many of those are you participating in? And, yes. And how does that go? So um, every tournament, it might be different depending on how the college coach who's running that tournament um, wants to do it. But our travel day is Thursday. And then on Friday is, um, we call them Baker games or yeah, we call them Baker games. And so it's just like, it's one single game and you have five players bowling and we each bowl two frames. Oh. So we might bowl like 30 of those in one day, 30 of those in one day. And then on Saturday it's traditional games. And so each player gets the whole 10 frames and then there's five of us still bowling. Um, you know, we have like wins and losses throughout that as well. And so um, Saturday's traditional games, and then on Sunday is more more Baker games. I really don't remember how many. And so we bowl Friday, Saturday, we bowl Sunday, and then we travel to go back Sunday, and then we have classes Monday. So there's a lot of bowling, a lot of games within those couple days, and I probably, like I said, only might have bowled like three, I don't, I don't know, like three maybe traditional matches maybe, or like five Baker games, and, and I – we're, we our uh, season is October 1st until April mm -hmm. and April is uh, where nationals is. So like my freshman year, um, I didn't really bowl that much. I don't even know if I bowled that many traditional games or a traditional game at all. I got a couple Baker games here and there. Um, my coaches, you know, gave me some, some shots, but freshman year was, was very, it was very difficult for me. Um, and then going into sophomore year, I, you know, my game was better, and I still, in the beginning, I, I wasn't playing as much as I thought I deserved to, which I feel like athletes can relate to that. Yeah. Um, so 
so yeah, then it, I uh, actually got kicked off the team my, my sophomore year. <laughs> what happened? So, you know, the communication between coaches and I wasn't wasn't very good. Um, you know, I I had things bottled up, and because I wasn't, you know, bowling when I thought I should have been, um, you know, I was avoiding my coach. So if like he's here and something's over here that I have to get, and instead of like making a trip simple, I would go all the way around just to get to what I wanted to get to. And you know, like coaches can see that, my teammates can see that, everyone could pick up on it. And so the communication was really bad. And there was just one time where I went, you know, after practice, I went to coach and it was just like a, I let everything out, you know, I'm I'm yelling at him and, and I was like, I hate you, which, you know, you should never tell anyone that. And I don't hate anyone, but mm. just at, at that moment in time, it was it was just I let everything out, off, everything off my chest. And, you know, we were going back and forth and and, um, you know, he was yelling, too. It was just like a screaming match. But after that meeting, I definitely felt better. Um, you know, I got everything off my chest, but I probably didn't go about it in the best way. Mm -hmm. So the next day, you know, um. Well, after that, I actually called my dad. I was just like, hey, dad, you know, uh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I just, you know, let coach know how I felt and I let everything off my chest. So I came into practice the next day and I'm throwing practice shots, you know, warming up and stuff when we have a meeting. And I'm just like, you know, kind of oblivious, you know, not even thinking about, oh, just the day before I was yelling at my coach, what is this going to be about? So we um, we have the meeting and he just says, oh, you know, uh, you know, we have someone on this team who like kind of causes problems and, um, you know, just kind of making me seem like a problem child in a way, but, you know, didn't really tell like the whole story. But, um, you know, my teammates are just like, he, he said to the team, you know, un until you can tell me why you deserve to be here, you know, you're no longer, you are no longer on the team. And, you know, my teammates are crying and they're just like, gee, like, what did you do? Because like, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a problem. And I, I think, or I've been told at least I bring good energy. Mm -hmm. So like my teammates love me and they love my vibe. And I just like to make people laugh and have fun. So they're just like, what did you do? Like, why are you gone? Because, you know, coach didn't go into too many details. So I grabbed my stuff and left and a couple days went by and I had a mentor there in the athletic department, Dr. Jamie Williams at the time. Um, and he he actually played for the University of Nebraska on the football team and he played in the NFL on the 49ers. So, you know, he's been through a lot of adversity. So I talked to him and I was just like, you know, um, I don't know if you'll be happy with this or not, but I got kicked off the team and he was just like, you were supposed to stick to the script. We, you know, because we had a plan on, on how I would, you know, face the adversity and go about doing things. And he was like, you clearly did not stick to the script. And I was like, I did not, but I was so upset. What was on the script? Just, you know, do what you're supposed to do. You know, like respect coaches, of course, go to classes, go to practice, ask questions, you know, honor your commitments, um, help out your teammates, ask questions. And I mean, I was doing that, but I also was yelling at coaches at the time too. <laughs> so what would you say was your main source of frustration? What was it that caused that to come out in such an aggressive way? I just felt like I should have, because my game was better, I felt like I should have been starting. I honestly felt like my freshman year, I should have been a starter. Um, and it's, I think other people, athletes can relate to this as well too. You're, you know, there's a lot of people like you're, you can be good from where you come from. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are maybe the best in where they come from. Cause um, in Rhode Island, I was the number one, you know, like bowler, I think in the nation actually for like a high average. And, you know, so we're good from where we come from and then we go to college and it's just like, you know, there's levels to this. It's just like, you know, uh, everyone here was good from where they come from, where they came from. And so, um, you know, like they had to adapt and, you know, kind of do the things that we're where um, that I had to go through. And, you know, some of them were 
and coaches I may be good enough to start. Their games were in a better situation or better, I don't know, fundamentally better or something. But my freshman year, I thought I was good enough to start, and so was I my sophomore year. And I actually wasn't bowling as much as I expected to. Um, and after that, like, scream match, I got kicked off the team. I let days go by, and my mentor, Dr. Jamie Williams, was like, you know, if you don't go back, you're kind of taking time away from your development. And I was like, you're right. You know, so he was just like, you're taking time away from you getting better as well as you helping your team get better and them helping you get better. And you guys have a common goal and a bigger picture, which is the, which is to win a national championship. And I was like, OK, you're right. So, you know, I let a couple of days go by and then I went back to coach's office and I was like, all right, you know, I'm sorry for the way, you know, I handled things. I probably shouldn't have screamed at you and told you I hate you, which I don't. Um, mm-hmm. But I was just like, you know, I. I I appreciate you giving me opportunity to be at Nebraska. And like I said before, I don't really hold that lightly. Um, it's an honor to to wear an N on the back of my shirt when I'm competing. Um, you know, so I was like, just thank you for this opportunity. And, you know, this is why I think I deserve to be here. And um, I was like, one thing, though, our communication has to be better. You know, mm. whenever something's on my chest, um, when it's the right time to do it, I will let you know. And if there's things that you need to communicate with me, I was just like, we just need to come to a common ground. And so I took things from my game that I learned with Coach Marty Jones and some things that he was telling me and what I had to do um, was just kind of like try to try my best to blend the two. Nebraska is like a powerhouse when it comes to women's bowling, right? Yeah. Who are the other schools that are like in that class of like great like programs? I would say the ones that you would see at the top all the time are um, Vanderbilt and also two Arkansas states up there. And, and I would say now too, because um they're not so much before, I would say like my freshman, sophomore year, but maybe my junior, senior, McKendry, their coach is actually, a, she's a professional bowler. So she's on tour. Um, you know, I see her and stuff like that. And we compete against each other. But she's definitely helped that program in her um, husband's assistant coach helped that program excel. So I would say those three for sure that I could think off the top of my head. Do you have like any rivals that you feel like are the ones that you're like, man, I really want to beat this team? I, I don't know. I mean, when we competed, we just, you know, our mentalities, we just expected to beat whoever we were competing. We expected to win every tournament. So I, I, I don't know if we really had any particular team that was a rival yeah, I can't say that. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Um, and so you were in school from 2014 to 2017, is that right? Yes. And so what would you say were the pinnacle moments for you in your college career? What are the moments that you look back on with the most fondness? I would say um, I, like definitely the national championship for sure. And that was your sophomore year? Yes, my sophomore year. Um, being able to, to compete. Um, and help my team and the University of Nebraska bring back a national championship, like add another one to the collection, I just think is pretty dope. Um, and we actually got invited to the White House, too. Um, Obama wasn't there at the time, but we just got to go and, like, take a tour of the White House, so I thought that was cool. Wow, that is cool. Yeah, um, that. And I would also say my freshman year, too, um, that adversity as well as getting kicked off the team because there were just lessons in that. You know, I, right. I can't really just take all the good. You know, there's the bad that comes with the good. And I feel like if I didn't go through that, I probably wouldn't, I don't know, uh, you know, be the person who I am or be able to to help those, the, the younger classmen go through the things that they're going through. Right. So those three for sure, um, I would say. And also to my junior year, uh, although we did not win the national championship, 
it was the craziest nationals that I ever participated in because it was the first year. No, not junior year, my senior year. It was the first year that um, Nebraska, our team, that since I've been there, has gone into the losers bracket because it's double elimination um, for our nationals. And so, you know, we lost, and I was just like, what? I just didn't know how to deal with that at first. I'm just like, you know, I'm just used to, okay, win-win. You know, I think you win three times, and you go to the TV show. And so I've just been used to that. So when we, we lost the first match, I was like, what in the world? But I had to find a way to deal with it and compose myself because I have all my other teammates, you know, looking up to me, just like, okay, so what's Gigi doing because, or how is she reacting, you know, because that's most likely how they're going to react or my energy is transferable. So I was just like, okay, um, deal with it the best way you know how. So um, we we lost a match. And also, too, there was a, we might have uh, broke one of the rules. And so it was a Baker match. And so what we had to do is we had to play the team again. And for five frames, we got zeros, but we had to beat that team in order to to um, beat the next team and then make it to the TV show. So we had to like win that, win the next match in order to make it to the TV show. And, and I was like, what? We got five zeros. Like, how are we? Which I know it's possible, but it's just like we had to strike out, and that's what we did. So for five frames, everyone struck, and then we made it. Uh, we won that match, and then you we, won. Yeah, we won. So they, the other team, had a whole game. We had five frames, and for what? somehow we won. And I was like, oh my god! And I was like, coach, you better not ever break any more rules again. Like, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but you know, we're not really paying attention. But we're just like. You know, he helped write some of the rules. So we're just like, how did you, you know, afterwards, me and, and uh, one of the juniors were just like, how did you, like, miss this, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, five zeros. They had a whole match. We won. Then we beat the next team. Then we made it to the TV show. Unfortunately, we didn't win. But that experience there, I was like, that's one of the best, you know, just the the pressure. So, the yeah, yeah the pressure. Like a sports movie Exactly. Or and then just the mental aspect, too, you know? So, um. The pressure, it was just being able to thri- um, thrive through it. Yeah, uh, yeah I kind of like the pressure. So it was cool. Yeah. there's a, It seems like the big theme in a lot of what you're describing is overcoming adversity. Yeah. And, and that's so. really inspiring. I think that, you know, I was going to ask you earlier if you have any regrets about kind of how all that stuff transpired and everything, but it seems like you took a lot of positive from that. I did. If you asked me probably my freshman, sophomore year, I would have been like, I regret everything. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, at the end of my career, um, I I wouldn't have wanted to go to any other school, and I'm grateful for um, the coaches there, Coach Coach Straub, I call him Coach Strabo, um, him and Coach Klempa, for giving me the opportunity to be a part of the Big Red. So, yeah. That's really cool. And it seems like another theme in a lot of the stories that you've told up to this point um, is having people in your life who are not only supportive and helpful, but also can offer perspective. Exactly. People like your dad and your mentor. Yes. And so just speak to that, just the importance of having guidance in your life, especially from a young age. Yeah, that that's just, um, I think it's very, very important because, um, you know, I'll say we, maybe other people who are in this boat, you know, maybe young, younger millennials, I have no idea, but just think that we know it all and we have all, all the answers. And um, young we, young people have felt that way for a long time. <laughs> that's true it's not too. exclusive to your generation or okay. any generation. So young like, people always think they have it figured so out. Yeah, so yeah, we think we have it all figured out, but yeah. like in reality, we, you know, we don't. And there's other people who've gone through it. Maybe not the same exact way, but they've gone through it in some type of way. Um, and so you know, their advice can definitely help us get through what we're 
going through or about to go through. And like I said, you know, my story, my messages, if I can help anyone along the way, um, you know, I have some people reaching out because I was I was the only African-American on the Nebraska bowling team. And you know, there's a girl there now. She reaches out to me and she's just like, hey, Gigi, like, you know, so I, I help her out. But just anyone, any of my teammates, doesn't matter what, what race you are, but I just help you know, just try to have my story inspire other people to help them get through whatever they're going through. So um, guidance is definitely important. Having someone or people there to support you, having a circle to support you, I feel like helps um, an individual succeed. Yeah. And so there are a few themes in even what you just described that I'd like to unpack. The first is being the first African-American and the first African-American woman to achieve so many things, yeah. to achieve what you did in the Olympics. It says here you were the first African-American to have your picture posted on the wall of the Nebraska All-American wall. Yeah. Even when just hearing that out loud, what does that mean to you? Just seeing my picture there, I was just like, oh, snap, you know, because my first thing it was just like, I want to be on this wall. I want to be an all I want to be an All-American. And then after, you know, really just looking at the pictures, being like, oh, snap, like you're the first person to do it. Um, it's just very humbling as well. And it's not so much like, oh, like, hey, I'm the first one. But it for me, the way I see it as is like, you know, if another, like I said, there's a girl there now, she's the only African-American. If she sees my picture, you know, she's like, oh, you know, like, there's someone there who looks like me, like I can do it too. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, I get more joy out of that than really being the first and, um, you know, whenever I go back to Nebraska and go to uh, the the bowling, the the lanes and see other African-Americans on there, I'm going to be like, this was dope. That so, is. Yeah. yeah. You're a pioneer in that way. So cool. And so who did you look up to? Who are your role models growing up in sports or outside of sports? Yeah. Um, sports, not bowling. Um, Serena Williams. Mm -hmm. I know definitely just a powerhouse and just being a female of color, just dominating also, too, in the bowling world, I will say uh, Kim Terrell. She was actually my coach. Um, see, assist, the assistant coach for Team USA when I won the, the gold medal. Um, she was coaching me when I became the first African-American to do that. And um, she was definitely a, a Hall of Famer. She's a Hall of Famer. She, you know, she has titles, majors. She bowled in college. She coaches college now. So she's done it all. And just I have her as a resource to help me, you know, even now get through things. And she was definitely someone that I looked up to and still look up to. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And another thing that kind of stood out to me as you were going through your story is you went from someone who maybe had quote unquote character issues or had problems like with leadership mm -hmm. to becoming someone who prided themselves in being a good leader. Yeah. And I think college is such an interesting thing for that reason, because you have 18 year olds who are green and you have 22 year olds who are supposed to be veteran leaders yeah. when they're still young people themselves. Exactly. And it seems like for you, that was a very quick transition. Mm -hmm. And so what, just speak to that idea of like that transformation of being someone who maybe needed extra help and extra guidance in order to fall in line to someone who was saying, actually, I'm one of the oldest people on this team. People are going to look to me as an example and just taking on that pressure and that responsibility. I think the biggest thing was um, telling myself, you know, even like my, my mentor, Dr. Jamie Williams, he's like, you got to put your pride aside, your ego aside, you know, it's, it's not about you. So um, in those moments where I really struggled and I feel like faced the most adversity, I was probably only thinking about myself um, at the time. And I'm like, you know, well, I want to help the team win a national championship, um, you know, so I, I feel like I, I kind of just, that's when I started putting the team first and putting, you mm -hmm. know, like other people who may be looking up to me kind of putting them first rather than like in a way like you know I, I want them to be inspired and it's really not all about what I'm doing or what I want to do type of thing and so I feel like that helped me with my leadership roles in college um, even after college so yeah. 
That's cool. I think there's a lot of important lessons in that. There's a lot of important lessons, yeah. my Lord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's something I think I, I even struggle with, you know, as just as a professional. And I think a lot of people, anyone who's a member of a team, mm-hmm. it's easy to let your ego take hold. Exactly, yes. And then one of the most important things I think you can do is can see yourself as a member of a team mm-hmm. and see the goals of the team above your own goals. Exactly. And then everyone excels as a result of that. Definitely. And I feel like, too, kind of if you put the, you know, the team goal first, like to win a national championship, because I obviously wanted to be an All-American. I feel like if you're helping your team, you know, reach the common goal, like along the way, you're most likely going to achieve your individual goals. So while doing that, I was able to to um, become an All-American three out of my four years there because freshman year, that was terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> I was able to become an All-American for um, my sophomore, junior, senior year. Right on. So. And so tell me about Black Girls Can Bowl too. Yes. So um, in 2017, I want to say January, February, I'm not sure exactly. I started a group called Black Girls Can Bowl too. Um, and I started it because, so my first year at team trials, I don't remember the year exactly when I first ever went there to, you know, the tournament is just to, for you to have a chance to be on Team USA or Junior Team USA. So at the time for me, it was Junior Team because I was I was in college. Um, they were only three women, three women of color, including myself, um, you know, and then maybe the next year that might have been like three or four. And after my two years of, of Junior Team and my youth eligibility was gone, um, this is when I started working towards making the adult Team USA. And um in 2017 is when I looked and I just, you know, uh, there, I, d- I didn't make junior, I didn't make Team USA because I was trying out for Team USA, but I saw, um, you know, they were giving everyone their jackets who made team and junior team and their medals and stuff. Um, and of course, that's something I wanted, I wanted to be a part of, but I, I didn't get, you know, my job done. Um, and I just, just noticed that there was no one of color on the men's side or the women's side for a junior team or for the adult team. And and um, that that bothered me, you know, not so much that I'm just like, oh, you know, like they they made the team like, you know, I didn't make it not so much envious or, you know, I congratulate those who did. But because I didn't see anyone up there who resembled uh, me. Um, so that's why I was more so upset. So I'm just like, Dad, like this just it just, you know, frustrates me. He's like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so time went by and I was like, black girls can bowl, too. And, you know, he's just like, oh, what is that? Um, and I was like, I don't know. Um, just saying that we can do it too, but just to inspire people like, Hey, you know, like, um, you may feel like you're the only one, but there's so much that you can accomplish. And so I just started the group, you know, um, created social media channels. And ever since then it went, probably went from like being four or five people at team trials to like six, one year, then maybe like eight. And then this past year we had like 12 and I was just like, you know, I have people coming up to me like, yo, like to see the growth from three, at least from when I first started team trials to now, they're just like, you know, it's incredible to see and it's inspiring, but it's more so just to give the girls a platform, like just to, to share each other's success stories. Because while I was at the university of Nebraska, there, you know, when there's other, there are HBCUs, you know, who participate like bowling schools and, and, um, just maybe those two that are not HBCUs. And, you know, I have other women of color I'm competing against. And the most that I would do is like walk over and say, hi, like I would just wave and keep doing what I was doing. So I never really like interacted with them like at all. And I was just like, you know, I don't, when I leave, I don't want it to be like that still. So I created this group and now I'll have, um, you know, girls sending me pictures of each other, like one from North Carolina A&T and one from, 
uh, maybe Nebraska or Howard or Tulane, whatever the school is, taking group pictures and interacting with each other. And I'm like, I just think that's super cool. You know, I I had the opportunity, but I didn't capitalize on it. And I, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know. We just never really spoke like that. So I'm like, well, if I wasn't able to do it, I want all those who come after me to feel comfortable. Like you can talk to other people from, you know, the different schools and interact and and also, too, there's a lot of um, people are like, oh, like black people bowl. And I'm like, yeah, there, you know, there are a lot who do. Um, just right now at the the pro level, I'm the only one on a you know full time basis. But outside of that, um, there's like uh, different organizations and there's a lot of them out there who are really good and some that I don't know of. And so, you know, I'll get like mess black girls can bowl too or myself will get messages, you know, of people's success stories, someone shooting a perfect game or someone getting this award. And so we use that platform to um, to share that because I'm just like, you know, there's a lot of people out there and I don't know what everyone's doing, you know, and people just think it's, oh, it's just me. It's just me. Like I'm the face of, of bowling when it comes to women of color. And I'm like, well, actually, there's a lot of us and they're doing a lot of good things and we all need to know about it. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. So we do a podcast here called R2C2 okay. with CC Sabathia, okay. a pitcher for the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. He just retired. He's 39, I think. So he'd been in the major leagues for like 18 years. And something he talked about on his podcast that I found really interesting is that he himself learned that throughout the course of his career that he needed to make sure that other younger players of color felt welcome in the league. Mm-hmm. So he would go right up to guys <laughs> at the other dugouts and make sure that he because of underrepresentation, and if you look at the demographics of a sport like baseball, the number of African Americans in baseball, in terms of percentages, have been going down since the 1970s, which is so remarkable. And so I think for him personally, it became this thing of like, not only do we need to figure out how we can grow the game within the black community, but we need to make sure that other people on other teams feel that sense of um, of community and representation inside our own game. Exactly. And, it's, and I'm sure you can relate to that on some level. Yeah, um, and definitely too, I, cause people are just like, oh, like the pros, like how how do you feel like being the only black one out there on a consistent basis? And I'm like, well, I feel like my parents have prepared me, you know, like when I was younger, prepared me for it. So it, it's not too too, it wasn't too difficult for me to adjust to. But also too, I think what really helped was being the only African American um, on the Nebraska bowling team. So I think that you know definitely had something to do with me being able to deal with it now at a higher level. Um, when you say your parents prepared you, prepared you how? Like, you know, just telling me, because sometimes we'll go to restaurants and I'm just like, you know, like nice restaurants. I'm just like, why are we the only, you know, like black people here? And, you know, they're just explained to me, um, you know, like you're, you're going to see this a lot and it's, it's okay. But just because you're the only one, it doesn't mean that you should, you know, be like, okay, well, you know, this is not normal. Maybe I shouldn't be the only one, you know, exclude yourself from certain things. And so just really trying to make me understand and feel comfortable being the only one. And I feel like that has definitely helped me and as well, you know, being the only one at Nebraska because they helped me prepare for that. It was easier for me to adjust to because, um, you know, the adversity I faced with the bowling aspect, another thing could have been being the only one, but because they prepared me for that, like that didn't really bother me too much. I was like, you know, I'm just here to do a job and help my team win national championships. So Mm -hmm. um, all the other adversity I faced with like bowling and, you know, being a student athlete, that was hard in itself. But but yeah, they definitely have prepared me for that. And I think Nebraska has also prepared me for the pros. And what do you think about the conversation that's happening right now around the student athlete, NCAA, uh, yeah. p- people, players owning their likeness? Do you have an opinion on that? I honestly was just like, how come I didn't get paid? So <laughs> you I just mean, missed it. <laughs> seriously, I was just like, what? 
I was like, dang, dad, that would have been cool if, you know, like we got paid. But my thing is like, what are all the athletes, including myself, if, you know, it goes, if it does go through, which I honestly hope it does. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are all the athletes who didn't get a chance to get paid? Like, what are they going to like say or do or think, or is anything going to happen? Like, that's my only question. But I mean, I honestly does hope it happened. Like I said, you know, um, just creating change and being able to, you know, like athletes get paid for their likeness. I, I think it's a good thing. So let's talk about your professional career. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you turned pro when? Uh, uh, this past April. And how did that go? You, so you just finished your first season? Yes, it was April to September. And so how would you describe your, your first season in the books as a professional? There's definitely levels to this. Um, <laughs> right. So after I graduated December 2017 and I bowled a tournament, I bowled a pro tournament, still as an amateur, in August. And it was it was in Connecticut, so it was close to home. So either 2017 or 2018 is when I bowled the actual tournament as an amateur, the pro tournament. And I was just like, we bowl. So people don't realize. They're just like, oh, you know, people don't think consider bowling a sport. Um, and they just think, oh, you go and you just throw the ball. And a lot of them think, oh, like bowl leagues and drink beer, and eat pizza. And I'm like, you can do that too. But there's also, you know, um, people do it at an elite level. And that, yeah. like my company got game. It's just making people aware of that as well. So... For the pros, we have a practice session before we bowl the tournament. And we bowl 16 games in one day. And so at the amateur, like when I was an amateur participating in the pro tournament, um, you bowl 16 games, they cut to the top 32, and then you move on. And we had we bowled eight games, we had a break, and we bowled another eight games. And by game like 12, <laughs> maybe 13, I mentally checked out. I was like, what in the world? You know, so I'm bowling. And I was like, Kelly, like, how do you guys do this? She's a pro bowler on the women's tour. And she was, you know, she's like, oh, she's complaining too. Like, oh, my legs hurt. Because she's getting older. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a veteran, been doing this a while. And she's just like, you know, like people think it's easy, but it's not easy out here. The mental grind and the physical grind, you know, putting your body through that. Like bowling 16 games in one day and then coming back if you make the cut, you bowl another uh, eight games, they cut to the top 24. You make that, you bowl another six games, they cut to the top 12. And then, you know, then you bowl for the TV show. And at that time, I was like, you know, I'm not ready for this. Um, And, you know, people now are just like, oh, they're like, oh, like, why aren't you out there? Like at that time, like, why aren't you out there? You know, we don't see you. And I was just like, you know, I did what's best for me. I didn't think I was ready. I didn't feel like going out there and, and making my confidence go all the way down or just feel like I was wasting money. So um, I took that year off. I had bowled that one tournament. Then I just trained and, and trained and trained and tried to get my body and my game in better positions and, and you know, have more stamina and, and all that stuff. When you say trained, what was that process like? So just just really put, kind of pushing my body to the limits and getting my body to be in better positions than, than when it was to make my game more efficient for... Um, the mental grind and the physical grind and the the different bowling patterns that we bowl on. Um, so just putting like reps and reps and reps on and getting my body to do the right thing. So um, that went around and then, you know, I got my body into better position and then April came around this year and I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm ready for this. Um, and so I would say overall, um, a lot of people are like, you know, you had a, a good rookie year and, and I, you know, I was just like, you know, I, going for rookie of the year, I wasn't able to accomplish that. Um, but I learned a lot through my first year. Um, it's more of a mental grind than anything. And also in the beginning, too, you know, I was working out. But after my my uh, 
my rookie year, I was like, okay, I have to, I took a, a week or two off and I was like, okay, I have to work out even more. I have to eat better. I definitely changed my diet. I'm in the gym consistently. Um, so it's not as easy as it thinks. Like I said, you're bowling like 35 games in like two days. That's wild. It's, it's exactly. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, well, when I bowl three games, I'm tired. I'm like, exactly. So yeah. 35 games, you know, the, the what we're putting our bodies into, like the, the the grind, physical grind we're putting our bodies through is it's just crazy. But I think overall I had a good um, – a good rookie year. There's some cuts I didn't make. Um, some cuts I did make. My highest finish was 10th place. So I was close to making a TV show. Um, I won a regional. So, I mean, that was cool too. So I would just say I learned a lot from my rookie year and, and definitely looking forward to the next season. That's cool. Yeah. For anyone listening out there, go to your local bowling alley, <laughs> bowl three games, bowl 30 <laughs> frames and see how you feel afterwards. And then imagine doing that how many times in a weekend? Uh, 36, 35 games. Yeah. And then you got to come back the next week and the week after that and the week after that and do it all over again. And so the physical part of it, because you mentioned the mental part of it was grueling for you that you said after about the 12th or 13th game you checked out. And Mm -hmm. that's really interesting to me too, because I think the above the shoulders part of sports gets completely underrated by all the people on the couch who really don't understand the mental part of that, but just the physical part of it. I mean, you're what? Five, three. Yes. And so you're you're not the biggest, strongest mm-hmm. bowler, I'm sure, on the tour, yeah. right? So how do you prepare yourself physically for that type of grind? So um, definitely a lot of people are just like, oh, like you got to do like push-ups or like, so like bicep curls. And I'm like, well, yeah, but a lot of our power, people don't realize it comes from the core. Mm. Um, you know, our core and our legs, uh, just being able to have the body, you know, like move and having that stability. Um, so I've been working hard really on my core, um, definitely my legs, but just my whole body in general. But I, I've just... Also, too, after it being my first year, been honestly not saying that I wasn't serious, but, you know, it was just like just taking it more seriously and making sure you're doing all the right things that you can do to be better. And I feel like that's what I've been doing. Um, also, too, because no one wants to go out there and feel like they're wasting money, which I talked about. So for for bowlers, what we have to do is we have to we have bowling sponsors, Um and so, like, I'm sponsored by a, a bowling company called Storm. And so that's, they make the bowling balls, you know. And shout out to Storm. Yeah, shout out to Storm. <laughs> and also, too, for Cool Wick, like, bowling jerseys we have. Um, they help me with my bowling jerseys and turbo, my, like, a set bowling accessories. And I don't take that light either because bowling balls are expensive. You know, you can go into a, a pro shop, go into a bowling center, go into a pro shop and spend, like, two, three hundred on a bowling ball and mm-hmm. getting it drilled and all that stuff. And so they definitely. And you have multiple balls, right? You have, like, a, yes, a spare ball. And- exactly. And. People are like, why do you need all these bowling balls? I'm like, because they do different things um, mm. for the different patterns that we bowl on, bowl on. And like I said, bowling gets really technical that people who are just like, oh, you just drink beer, eat pizza, and throw a ball. And I'm like, it gets really <laughs> technical that, you know, like people don't really know about. And yeah. so, you know, for some people, they may feel like if they're not making cuts that they're just wasting money so they don't do it anymore. But, um, you know, this is something that I want to do full time and I want to do it for a long period of time. So, you know, just being able to get my body, my mind, my spirit right to be able to do it because, you know, we have to um, unless one of the players is maybe sponsored by like a small company in their area or something like we have to come out of pocket for travel expenses. And so um, that's, you know, uh, definitely if someone's just thinking like, okay, well, I have to bowl well enough to, you know, be able to at least get some money back, at least the money that I put into this for travel, it's just like, it, it can be very, very hard. Right. It's similar to golf or tennis. Yeah, exactly. Or one of those other sports mm-hmm. where you have to be able to stay on tour. Exactly. Based on your performance. So if you're not, you know, top 12 or making the TV shows consistently, some people could be like, yeah, this isn't for me. But 
that's not going to be me. So. <laughs> and you throw a heavy ball? Yes, 15 pounds. And so what's your secret in, in terms of like being able to kind of wield such a big instrument? Uh, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, like you throw 15 pounds. You're so small. You should be throwing like 10 pounds, which, um, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how I do it, but why the heavier ball? Uh, just so that the pins, cause sometimes if you throw too light of a ball, um, when you're, when the ball hits the pins, it can deflect. Mm-hmm. And so like just bounce off the pins and then it's just like you leave some crazy stuff. So, um, with me throwing a heavier ball, it just allows the ball to go through the pins and they'll produce more strikes. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> and so what's your average? My honestly on tour, um, before, before like college or high school, I mean, during high school, I would say like 225, but now on tour, we don't really worry too, too much about, um, what do you call it? Uh, our average. So I just say our average strikes. <laughs> so, yeah. So <laughs> I just say when zero. people ask me, I'm like, I just average strikes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Thank you. My dad was like a semi-professional bowler. Okay. He was like 220, 225. Uh-huh. And, um, he would always tell me that like, cause he's left-handed. He always tell me like being a lefty is really hard because of like the grease patterns and people are ready to splashing like the mm-hmm. grease into the lanes. That's and so true. how technical do you get with that stuff? It gets very technical if there's like a shorter pattern, which pattern is just like the length of oil on the lane. So a lane is 60 feet and, and the oil that's on the lane could be like 36. It could be 38, 40, 45, 55. And so for shorter patterns like 36, 35, um, a lot of people would say lefties have an advantage because they could play closer to the gutter. Mm. Um, and lefties like to play closer to the gutter, like a lot of people would say. But when it starts to get to the longer patterns, when they may have to play further inside, that's kind of difficult because then they're getting into the righties area. Mm-hmm. And so it could get like difficult for them. And that's where it gets very technical. And people are just like, you know, like, oh, like bowling's not a sport. And I'm like, no, it is. Like yeah. there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And even just bowling balls, the way they're made, there's a, a weight block inside. Um, and then there's core. There's like a, there's a RGs, there's diffs, like there's cover stocks. Like the bowling balls do different things on certain patterns. We have these things called Avalon pads where you can like sand a bowling ball. It's kind of like sandpaper. And that'll make the ball with the cover stock and the core do different things on the oil pattern it's on. So, yeah. And I'm sure the higher up you get in any profession or any sport, uh, the more those little advantages make a huge difference. They definitely make huge difference definitely make huge differences because you know there are times too like this past um my rookie year where I, I missed the cut by like like one spare or two spares and and seeing my name right under the line multiple times was like a dagger to the heart it was so frustrating but also too it's because part of it was probably missing spares and I also too think I missed spares because I was just so frustrated on not being able to you know get the ball where I wanted to the on the first ball and right. so it mentally you know translated into like the second shot as well and it's just like you know um, I have coaches that tell me now like the veterans have been doing this longer so when they see it like they remember it from before and so they can make the the ball change faster they can move from one part of the lane to the next faster and they're just like you just started you know like you're gonna be doing this a while so the more you learn and you write it down and you remember it it's just like that's gonna be used to your advantage so I'm just like you're definitely right so you know on tour when when we're bowling at these different centers and stuff I, I take notes and I write things down and I have a notebook so I know oh, okay I use this ball after this ball and maybe it didn't work so if I see the situation again I know not to go to that ball let me try something different so I don't waste frames because two three four frames is is a lot and it makes it different out there because 
um, competing against the best women in the world, you know, not just in the United States, like all over. Right. No question. And so what is the lifespan of a professional bowler? Is there like an age range where you peak? Is there an age range where you're kind of considered like towards like at the end over the hill, kind of like washed up? Like wh- how does that typically go? I think it just depends on the bowler. But, um, you know, like they ha- we have the tour and we have the senior tour. So, you know, like 50 nolers, like the senior tour. But I know a lot of seniors bowl, um, especially the guys, they bowl um, the, the regular tour too. And some of them, they, they win. Like they're, you know, they're really good at what they do. But I just think um, over time, you know, some people may peak early and get a lot of titles in the beginning of their career. Some people later, like Shannon O'Keefe, I talked to you, she um, uh, coaches McKendry. And they're becoming, or I think they are a powerhouse now, not becoming. They're definitely a powerhouse now. And, um, you know, this past season, she, my rookie year, she won five titles. And it's just like, you know, she won five tournaments. And it's just like, like, who does that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I believe she's in her 40s now. And, you know, so wow. it kind of depends who the who the bowler is. It seems like it's almost like similar to golf in that way, where you can actually yeah. still compete at the highest level in your 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. as opposed to a sport like tennis where – People tend to like by the time you hit thirty, your kind exactly. of your career is pretty much over. So, so you got a long career ahead of you, which is exciting. Seriously, and I think too, um, you know, just doing all the right things and making sure I eat right and do mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do, that definitely has a, a big impact or a huge impact. As because, um, you know, there are probably bulls out there who may be younger, um, you know, than Shannon who's like winning titles. But if you're not putting your doing what you need to be doing and eating the right things and actually working out, like. I don't think you'll have longevity. For sure. So, yeah. Right. And that's, I'm sure, true with a lot of sports, right? You have mm-hmm. to take care of yourself. Exactly. You get out of it what you put in. Um, so in what ways has bowling opened other doors for you? Or is it starting to open other doors for you? De- just being here. I mean, this <laughs> right. is definitely a door that's been open. And, you know, I had like a little like highlight reel. My dad, he... um you know, it was just like, you know, we, we didn't have like the resources. So we just little iMovie, try to put something together and just send it out. And, you know, ever since then, I've been able to attend different events. Uh, Jeffrey Osborne, Celebrity Classic. I went there, you know, and and I'm around like Ice Cube, Chris Tucker, George Lopez. And he's raising money for for uh, uh, for charity purposes. And also, too, I was invited to Mike Conley Bowling Bash. Um, you know, I was able to go and speak to LeBron James. I promise school. Yeah. Um, I was invited uh to a PBA, like the Chris Paul Celebrity Invitational. So I was, was going to say, Chris Paul's another yeah. one. He loves the ball. So I was on there, you know, with Chris Paul, with T.O. Um, uh, T.O., he's like a mentor now. So, you know, he's just been 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 helpful. And, you know, I can text him sometimes like, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. And he'll try to give me like, you know, a little uh, like advice here and there. Um, definitely. Bowling has definitely allowed me to create connections and open up doors that I didn't even know. Like, I didn't know that I would be here uninterrupted if you asked me years ago or, like, be on the Chris Paul Invitational and be able to meet people, you know, that can inspire me, you know, because to be to get to where they are and just inspire me in general to help me inspire other people. Um, so those are definitely some things I've been doing. And, and you know, like, my company got game. I was able to go and, and speak to different um, schools like University of Maryland to shore, go share my story there and share my story at different places. So those are just some of the things that I've been been able to do that I could think of the top of my head. Yeah. And it seems like it's not only your ability as an athlete that's gotten you where you are, it's your personality, it's your spirit, like you mentioned, your vibe and your energy that people seem to really respond to. Um, I'm sure that's a part, of, big part of the reason why you've gotten um, hired to do different speaking engagements, yeah. wouldn't you say? I would, yeah, because actually at the University of Maryland Shore, when I went to speak there, um, the coach, she was like, hey, Gigi, so I have, like, one last question for you. She was like, what would you say separates you from, like, everyone else? 
And I would say, honestly, because I hear it a lot, um, I would just say, like, my personality. Um, yeah. I was, like, I, I'm blessed with it, you know, um, just being able, like, the energy that I, I guess, have um, to be able to transfer it to other people and, and then just uplift people while doing so. Um, I would say that that definitely plays a, a big role. And, you know, I also tell my parents and I, and I tell everyone, like, my goal is never, I mean, my mission or goal or you know, it's never to be like, hey, become a professional bowler. Like, that's never, you know, that's not, if you want to, yes, that's great. But my message really is, you know, whatever you, you really want to do, um, and you start at a young age, just keep going and never quit. Because I have some friends in my middle school that used to, you know, when I would go to a, be like, oh, like, we're going to go to the mall this week and go watch a movie. And I'm like, I can't, you know, I have practice. And they're just like, who bowls? Like, even my gym teacher roasted me, like, bowling practice. And now we have a group chat and they're just like, jazz, like, all the stuff that you were doing, you know, I'm so proud of you. It's super cool to see. Even my gym teachers just, like, keep going. Um, I just want to inspire people. I want to inspire women of color. I want to inspire those who compete in non-traditional sports like me, um, who don't get the recognition they feel as they deserve. I want to inspire everyone, parents, kids, whoever, who hears my story, so. Obviously, there's, a, there's the idea of if you work really hard at something, you can have whatever you want. Yeah. But it's also don't let other people's opinions shape what you feel is right in your path. Exactly. You can't let people, because especially young people, and we see it in today's day and age, and you know, I'm sure every generation dealt with it to some degree, but bullying, letting people get the best of you, exactly. letting people whose opinions don't matter shape your decisions. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you had a lot of moments where you had to set aside the noise and stay focused on the path in front of you. And look where it's gotten you. I mean, the sky's the limit for you. Exactly. And, you know, I, I don't take all credit for it. Like we spoke about before, the support system. You know, if it wasn't for my parents and my mentors and coaches all along the way, um, that outside noise definitely probably would have, you know, um, bothered me a little bit or, or made might have deterred me from my goals and stuff. But just having them there um, definitely made things a little bit easier. So. I have a few more bowling questions. Yeah, yeah, no worries. And then we'll get to the other big stuff. You ever bowled a 300 game before? Yes. How many times? One that really counts. Because I okay. only talk about the ones that really count, but people are like, oh, in practice and stuff, I probably have about like seven. Mm. But for the one that really counts, only one. Tell me about that one. Uh, I I don't remember how old I was, but like leading up to it, there were times where it's just like, you know, first when I first started, like it was hard to get a 200. So working really hard, really hard. Then you see yourself getting closer to the 200. Then you make the 200 mark. Then you see yourself, okay, maybe 230 or 250 is your next goal. And then just, just leading up to all that. And then I saw myself like 270 here, 280 here, 290 here. And I'm like, dang, like when's the 300 going to come? And my mom was like, you're trying too hard, you know, just bowl and let it, and it'll happen when it's supposed to. And so that approach I've definitely taken to you know, that approach my mom or lesson my mom gave me, I take that with me like through everything. Um, and I was throwing one of my favorite balls. It was a tropical storm. It was blue. Blue is my favorite color. So I remember this. Tropical storm. Yes. That's a cool name for a ball. Storm like ball too. Shout out to storm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I was just, I was just on fire, but not really like paying too, too much attention to anything. Um, and I just, you know, like you, you see yourself looking up at the scoreboard. You're like, okay, it's this frame. Okay, this frame. Um, but that in the 10th frame, every single shot was exactly the same. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I was just like, okay, you're in the 10th frame, you know, like this is your moment, like make it happen, you know, don't try too hard, just like, just make make the best shot that you can. And they, the bowling gods were in my favor and they all happened to to fall down. And I was like, oh my gosh, I went 300. <laughs> and so where were you at the time? Oh, this was in league. This is in, this league. Is in the Providence Senate League. Providence Senate yes, League. Yes, at home in gotcha. Providence, Rhode okay. Island. And so I've been in the alley a few times for a 300. And after like that seventh, eighth frame, people all start to gather. <laughs> they crowd. How many times have you been in that situation where you carry like the first six, seven, eight? And then you start to feel it like, oh, people in the alley are starting to notice. Uh, probably a couple times, but not not so much like that. I don't pay too too much attention. But like when you're in the ninth, tenth frame, like after you get the ninth one, when you're for sure in the tenth frame, everyone's just watching those three strikes. So that's just like you know, like the outside noise. Well, not really noise because everyone's quiet, but you kind of got to tune right. it out, you know. And after you get each one, everyone's clapping and stuff. So that's just stuff that you know I had to tune out and just really focus on the task at hand. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Did you celebrate? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't know how I celebrated now. I'd probably do a little shimmy or something. <laughs> but um, I was definitely happy and, and um, you know, just grateful. And everyone was happy for me, my coach and stuff, because they knew I was getting closer and closer. Right. And I finally got it. Bowling, I think, is the only sport where you can have a perfect game. Well, I guess baseball, you can, as a pitcher, you can have a perfect game. Okay. But even with that, it's like, there's no, like, there's all different kinds of perfect. Like bowling, That's there's true. one very specific way yes. you have to get 12 strikes in a row in a row that's there's no, nothing else to Ooh, it gosh. and um and so congratulations on that Thank that's really you. cool did you get like a ring or a watch or something i got both a ring and a watch just went for it all you're like this is my 300 <laughs> game i to make it all so count. it's in my trophy case <laughs> that's definitely cool. a few more things and then we'll get you out of here um You'll see all around you here at Uninterrupted, it says, I am more than an athlete. Yes. That phrase, I think, means something different to every athlete that Mm -hmm. we speak to. So I'm always interested to find out um, for each individual athlete what that phrase means to them. And so what does the phrase, I am more than an athlete, mean to you? Um, I feel like I I, might have, like, said something similar to this earlier, but... You know, like I said, bowling has taken me to a lot of different places and just being more than a bowler, um, I like I said, I don't hold that very lightly either because... While I'm, before my physical form is gone, I feel like I just want people to have benefited from my presence. Mm. And whether that's, you know, like me inspiring them in a way or, or I mean, that's what I mainly want to do is just inspire people. And whether that's bowling related or non-bowling related, um, you know, I feel like that's where the I am more than an athlete phrase comes in. And um, that's just huge to me because bowling is just a, a small segment. I mean, it's the main, it's the foundation, but it's just a segment that's going to allow me to do a lot of different things. And if I can uplift people and, you know, um, inspire them and, and bring some along the way, that's that's what I'm here for. I love that. Yeah. And so that's, that's so amazing. I can Thank just feel the, ener- feel the energy coming out of you from that answer. So what's next for you? What's coming up? What are you excited about? I feel really good about this year's about making Team USA. Because since, since my junior Team USA career ended, it might have been like a couple years, three, four years maybe. I'm in between that for making adult Team USA. So there's that. And then there's a tour coming up in April. So other than that, really just training. Any, you know, speaking engagements that come up or different events that I get invited to, you know, going to those along the way. But really just training for team trials and the tour. Gigi, thank you so much for joining us. This is an incredible experience having you in here today. Can't wait to have you back. Before we let you go, remind everybody out there, who runs this station? We run this station, baby. <laughs> <laughs> WRTS is produced by John Fontanelli. Our editor is Chris Wotherspoon. Our production assistant is Logan Casterdale. Additional production support by Matt Perret, Lauren Jones, Cody Moore, and Uninterrupted's athlete relations team. 
Our executive producer is TD St. Matthew Daniel. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is WRTS. We run this station. Thank you.